Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, the first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Mm. Christopher Lloyd Cullen, the one and only CLC. Chris, how are you doing? Preach it, my man. Two-time, and training camp is right around the corner. Training camp is right around the corner. It is an exciting time to be a football fan and for us to be doll fans because real football is less than a week away, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it mm. won't be the Miami Dolphins, but you will get the Hall of Fame game. You will get a chance to uh, just enjoy one team beating the brains in of another team. That's probably not politically correct to say, but since when have we ever been politically correct, Chris? Well, since it's the Ravens, uh, Joe Flacco can attest to exactly what you said, actually. <laughs> That's true. He's uh, he's still picking up his brains that were splattered all over the, uh, the field last year when Kiko Alonso made the only tackle of the entire season. Uh, well, shit, man. Speaking of the season, speaking of uh, Perfectville, speaking of the town of Perfectville, uh, we got some feedback right off the bat here, Chris. Before we even get to the coin toss, we had some feedback directly to the website, welcometoperfectville.com, which you can find the entire archive of Welcome to Perfectville on Welcome to Perfectville.com. And this comes from Ryan six days ago. So shortly after we posted the last episode, episode 105, and Ryan simply states, Chris, please bring back the old intro song. So clearly mm. our new our new and improved Perfectville is a hit uh, because nobody ever leaves comments on the actual website. They usually go through message boards or iTunes or something like that. But no, this guy made it upon himself, Mr. Ryan, to uh, create an account on the website and leave a comment to tell us that he hates the new intro song. Yeah, well, it's not it for everybody, but... Um yeah, I don't really give a shit. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Just kidding, right? no, and neither do I appreciate the feedback. But here's the way I look at it. If you guys can do better, if the citizens, if we have any, you know, right. band members out there, any artists out there that can actually score a better Perfectville intro, send it in. Send it to perfectvillepod at gmail.com. Let us know. We'll play them on the air and we'll put it to a vote. I've got no problem with that. If you guys hate it, this show is about you, for you, by us. So if you guys got a better tune than this one, send it my way. And uh, we'll play it on the air and, and put it to a vote. I'm cool with that. Yeah, sounds good. Like you said, it, it, the citizens of per- Perfectville, really, honestly, the show's for them. So if it's like you know mass numbers and they'd say this new intro is terrible, then uh, let's just get back in the kitchen, get to cooking. Well, so far it's one person, but I'm pretty sure that counts as mass numbers for yeah. our listenership. So uh, we, we might just have to do that. Right. We might it's just like have to 80%. Go back. Yeah, it's like 80%. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, speaking of 80%, I think you're going to win this coin toss that we do to start off the show here on the new and improved Perfectville. About 80%. Last year you yelled tails while it was rolling around on the table. And as you said, tails never fails. Uh, it's the coin toss, Chris. This is where we bring it to two topics that we will be talking about on Perfectville. One to start the first half, one to start the second half. Uh, what do you got? For this episode of Perfectville, uh, I would like to discuss and talk about memories, and of course, um, just really 
go back and forth, me and you, Sam, about the very tragic and unexpected passing of Miami Dolphins former head coach Tony Sperano. Yeah, it's very sad news. Uh, it's not necessarily breaking news because I think most people know that it happened. But, uh, you know, I do. I would like to do that, too. I think uh, talking about Tony Sperano, talking about the good memories that he's made uh, and maybe what his legacy with as the Miami Dolphins in terms of football will be. Uh, that is a great one. We will definitely talk about that. Um, the topic I'm bringing here is something a little less important, but something that uh, put the Miami Dolphins in the news once again. And that is, of course, uh, Neil Gate or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it came out last week that the Miami Dolphins have uh, proposed that they could suspend players up to four games in a season if they were mm. to kneel. Uh, for the national anthem starting in 2018. I'd like to get into what that policy is, what it actually states, and possibly just who might have leaked this policy and why. Uh, something that nobody else is really talking about. So those are your two topics. We've got the uh, national anthem, Neilgate, and as well as the life and times of the late, great Tony Sperano. Chris, as always, I'm going to let you call it in the air. By the way, this coin, uh, this this week, this is a quarter from 1981, Chris. Um, how, hmm. how old were you? Here. Yeah, how old were you in 1981? I was six years from ex- existence. Yes, I was negative one. I was not born either. <laughs> but uh, 1981 was the year that the Miami Dolphins drafted Jim Crash Jensen. Uh, the Miami Dolphins <laughs> went 11, 4, and 1 that year. Do you know who they tied against? Uh, the Jets. It was, in fact, the New York Jets. 28, 28. Fuck, on, are you serious? It is. It was, uh, I think, October 2nd or October 4th or something along those lines. They tied 28, 28 to the New York Jets and oh then went God. on to, they were undefeated going into that game and were still undefeated, uh, then went on to lose <laughs> to the New York Jets uh, a couple weeks after that. So against the Jets that season in 1981, we went 0-1-1. Uh, we did win the division. <laughs> we won 11-4-1, and and then we lost in the divisional round to the then San Diego Chargers on January 2nd, 1982, in what is considered the greatest NFL playoff game of all time. Mm. So The Kellen Winslow game that, and uh, helped off the field and all that? That is, in fact, the one. And then, of course, the Chargers <laughs> went on to lose to the Bengals, who went on to get their dicks kicked in by the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> that should have been us, Chris. We should have gotten our dicks kicked in by the San Francisco 49ers in 1981. Oh man, and then I mean, could, that's the most Dolphins thing ever. Could you imagine being eleven and O playing the Jets and tying? <laughs> like, oh, oh man, that would be the worst. We'd still technically be undefeated, um, but we'd tie the Jets, the hated Jets. That'd be that'd be brutal to live through. Yeah, I might have misspoke. We were four and O at the time of the tie. We did go eleven and four and one on the year. I think we started the year with four wins and ended the year with four wins. So we went through December okay. without losing a game. But uh, yeah, either way, when you your first non-win is against the Jets. Anytime you're like, well, that sucks. This ruined my day. I mean, even worse, it's a tie. You know, they say yeah. it's like kissing your sister, but I mean, it's also the Jets, so it's like you know, fisting your sister. I don't know. Yeah, it's like kissing your sister if your sister was from New Jersey but claimed she was from New York and was a Jet. Ugh. Yeah. No. So anyway, we've got it. So uh, you're going to call it in the air. Uh, we have heads. We have yep. tails on a 1981 quarter. Uh, I am flipping it now. Go ahead and call it tails. 
and it is heads. In fact, it is heads, no. so that means I win and I get to pick. But you know what? I like your topic better than my own topic, so we're going to start with <laughs> Tony Sperano. And uh, as you had mentioned here, Chris, and I think as most doll fans know, Tony Sperano uh, passed away over the weekend, 56 years old, which... Really, right there, you know, uh, I forgot how young he actually was when he was coaching the Miami Dolphins starting back in 2008. He was in his mid-40s. What are your thoughts on Tony? I mean, basically, when you heard the news about him passing, and what are your thoughts on Tony Sperano as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins? Well, there's two different ways I want to touch this. And one is, uh, as a head coach, we all know he had his limitations. a little conservative at times. How much of that was Bill Parcells? You know, we don't know. He gave him the opportunity uh, and the chance. I know when he came to the Dolphins, I remember he left the Cowboys and Tony Romo and, and Jason Witten and these guys absolutely like it were in love with this guy. Players coach. Everybody enjoyed his time. He's a great, genuine person. Um, of course, we know the story is Dolphins 1 and 15 to 11 and 5. We beat the Jets and Brett Favre the last game of the year. He's fist pumping like crazy. Speaking of fisting, um, you know, it just he wasn't the best head coach, but um, we enjoyed some of those times with him. Of course, he went through a lot of issues with the Jim Harbaugh thing uh, and the fake random extension that was cheesily given to him after that embarrassment. But um, as a person, it's been nothing but. I mean, reading Twitter is unbelievable. I'm, I'm seeing Jake Long, Greg Camarillo, Brian Hartline. Um, these guys are just coming out like uh, uh, Langford. Uh, these random former Dolphins players that are just have nothing but amazing things to say about Tony Sperano and how he not only cared about them as men uh, and football players, but uh, but as husbands and in in fathers and asked about their families and their wives. So. Uh, to lose him from this world, just a good person, uh, at 56 and unexpectedly, I mean, even the media, man, was just like going on, talking about how amazing he was as a person. They loved covering him. So it's really, really tough. You, you can't say one bad thing about it. Uh, and it just came out about an hour ago as of this recording on Monday that it was heart disease. Yeah, and you know the, the the circumstances following that too, or surrounding that. I mean, he was complaining of ch- of chest pains earlier in the week. He actually went to the doctor. He did everything right. I mean, yeah. uh, he he checked all the boxes and he got checked out. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it was just his time, I guess, for for lack of a better term. He is survived by his wife and his uh, his children. Uh, just heartbreaking in, in many ways. And something to keep in mind uh, when it comes to Tony Sperano, he is the coach of the only other team in the AFC East to win a division ti- division title mm-hmm. in the last 15 years other than Bill Belichick. I mean, that's something that's that's going to be part of his legacy. I mean, as much as we you know, uh, joked and complained about him fist-pumping after field goals, uh, this is the guy who really has – just an amazing power to lead grown men, professional football players onto the field and believe in them. And like you said, if you look on Twitter and you just look at all the former Miami Dolphins who came out um, in support of Tony Sperano and just thanking him for being the first person uh, to believe in him in this, you know, 
as a professional NFL player. And in some cases, like Jake Long said, he was the last one to believe in him as well. I mean, it's yeah. it's 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 really um, remarkable to see how many former players he touched in a very positive way. Even Chad Pennington, who I think was probably the leader in terms of the player on the Miami Dolphins back in 2008. He came out today and had some really nice things to say about Tony Sperano as well. And something to keep in mind, you know, I know a lot of people think Tony Sperano uh, maybe wasn't a great head coach. And, and you would have reason to think that. I mean, he, he did have a losing record as a head coach. Um, but through his first two full seasons with the Miami Dolphins, he had 18 wins. Adam Gase, who we all love and respect and think is the right hire, has 16. So something to chew on. Tony Sperano, through his first two years, was wow. a more successful head coach for the Miami Dolphins than even Adam Gase. Um, and, and you can say, as you did, Chris, that he wasn't an X's and O's guy as much as he was an XOXO guy, meaning that he loved the players and he, <laughs> you know, he sat there and he rooted them and cheered them on. But something that I think is terribly ironic is that I think Tony Sperano's legacy is going to be the Wildcat. Right. I mean, I think that's oh, going to yeah. be, uh, at least in terms of coaching schematics, the thing that he is most associated with. And if you think about it, that is very much an X and O thing. It is not a motivational thing. It's not a rah rah or yelling or anything like that. It was a scheme uh, that he put in, you know, that he employed against the New England Patriots back in 2008, week three, and uh, really changed the league i mean there were people calling it the east coast offense when you had a west coast offense yeah. there were every single team in starting in 2009 had a version of the wildcat um the wildcat offense is still alive today in the nfl in some version or another uh and thanks to the success that tony sperano had with it back in 2008 with the miami dolphins so we can say and i agree that he wasn't necessarily the x and o guy um but really when you look at his legacy at least for me chris the legacy that he's going to have is that game against the new england patriots where uh man ronnie brown just went crazy i think he had four or five touchdowns in terms of running and mm -hmm. throwing and uh, it was definitely an x and o thing that will uh will stick with us in terms of tony sperano with the miami dolphins that and just being an all-around great guy. Well, I think the coolest thing about the Wildcat is um, it, it was one of those things where it kind of really extends the, it tends the type of guy he was, where he's on the plane. He's like, look, this isn't working. What can we do? Um, he knew it was an important uh, divisional game coming up. We really need to get things turned around because we started 0-2. Yep. I sitting on the airplane, and he's like, what, what can we do? We have two running backs here, Ricky and Ronnie. Uh, how can we get them on the field and make this a numbers game? And I've talked about this before. My first offense when I started coaching in training camp was uh, based on the Apopka High School offense. It's a direct snap, single wing. Uh, because what it does, Sam, and as you would know, uh, when Ryan Tannehill hands off the ball to Kenyon Drake, it's 11 defenders against 10 offensive players because Tannehill is just standing there. Uh, behind the line of scrimmage after he hands it off. So already the defense has a number advantage. Now you, you have this direct snap and it's 11 on 11. So you even things up and, and blocking schemes and stuff like that. It, it's really cool and funny. The Dolphins players came out and said it didn't work in practice. I think Ronnie right. Brown said that. They were surprised it even worked in the game. Um, but 
I can still right now sit here while talking about this and see Bill Belichick on the sideline uh, with his arms crossed, just completely befuddled. He's like, I have no idea what's happening. The crowd's leaving early. Um, it was just complete, utter, just schoolyard dominance uh, from an old-style offense that they showed up with in New England, and it was unbelievable. It's transcendent even the sport. Like you said, in the NFL, they're doing it. College is doing it. It was huge at the time. Um and I mean, Little Wayne's rapping about it in songs with Drake. I mean, he's like Wildcat offense. Check the Paul Prince. Like the, this transcended like the sport. Tony Sperano's the reason for that. So that being his legacy makes plenty of sense. And he always outcoached Rex Ryan. It seemed like right when they were like um, doing a well on national TV. Sperano just showed up and did uh, got our team to play. And if you watch his post-game speeches he was always fired up loved the guys they got them pumped up it was so drastically different when joe philbin took over and he's reading off of cue cards you can see where like these guys that had sperano completely just zoned out when uh joe philbin took over yeah i mean uh, you'd you mentioned you could still see tony sperano um or i'm sorry bill belichick on the sidelines with his arms folded uh we can listen to it in fact i, w- I want to play it right now i, I want to play two things we're going to play uh, the clips of the Wildcat, Wildcat being unleashed against the New England Patriots hmm. uh, in that game week three of the 2008 season. And then after that, we're going to play the post-game speech after the Miami Dolphins won the AFC East. Uh, this is the only team, the only team, the 2008 Miami Dolphins, to win the AFC East in the last 15 years not named New England Patriots. So uh, take, take a listen to these two clips and uh, just rest in peace, Coach. Ricky Williams is in. He sets up as a slot receiver. Eighth play of the drive. Now Williams will shift. Look at that. Roddy Brown untouched for the touchdown. This is reminiscent of what you saw from Derek McFadden in the Arkansas Razorbacks over the last few years. That spread formation where you snap it to the running back. They fake the reverse with Ricky Williams coming around in. Ronnie Brown just buries his head for Coach Tony Sperano. Fans react here in Foxborough from the 15. Handoff, it's Ronnie Brown. Pummeling through. He's got a touchdown. Oh, Ronnie Brown. What an impressive run. 15-yard rip. And Miami adds to its lead. And Chad Pennington has completed 11 straight. He's going to set up as a receiver again. Running up the middle. Touchdown! Ronnie Brown taking the lane and going in for his third score of the day. It's the same play as the first touchdown run by Ronnie Brown. And normally you would see a Bill Belichick defense making adjustments on the sideline, preparing for a play that you might see again. See, they fake the reverse. They bring the backside guard, Justin Smiley, around, and they open up a huge running lane. This one is even bigger than before for Ronnie Brown. Chad Pennington is not under center. Again, Ronnie Brown looking to throw it. Brown, touchdown, Anthony Fasano. They've pulled out all the stops here in New England, and the Miami Dolphins are trouncing the Patriots. And you know Bill Belichick and his defense talked about it. And watch the tight end. That's Fasano there. He's going to get behind the defense. The left-hand throw from Ronnie Brand. And now Miami sends Pennington out to the perimeter again, and it's Ronnie Brown. And they continue to gash the Patriots. Ronnie Brown is gone. Touchdown, Dolphins. 
He has just tied Miami's franchise record for touchdowns in a game. Hey, Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Hey, you guys make this really hard on me because I'm not I don't I'm not gonna do real well here. Okay? But listen, okay? I'm proud of you. Okay? I really am. I told you what it takes to come in here and to do what you just did. Now, I told you exactly what it takes. Right? It takes big ones. Okay? And listen to me now. Every single one of you guys had it here tonight. Okay? You should be darn proud of yourself. Okay? You should have been proud of yourself before this thing, but right now, fellas, look. Okay, we got something else to look forward to. Right? Yeah! Okay, and there's new goals now. Okay, there's new goals. I told you a long time ago, guys. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't. Never. Okay, yeah. never let anybody tell you you can't because you can. This is one hell of a good group of guys. Okay, I want you first though. I want you to give a hand to these coaches because they. Yeah. Yeah. because you deserve it. Hey. Hey. Listen, hey. We're going back to work this week. Hey. Hey. I, told those, I told those guys at home to get ready to work. Okay. We're ready to go now, okay? Now listen, okay. all right? Let's enjoy this with each other, okay? Let's enjoy it right now. Let's enjoy it on the way home because you guys worked your tail off for it. Hey, Joey Porter said this the other night to the defense, all right? And it was a hell of a thing. He said, these things don't come around very often. And you get the gray hat when you win these kind of things. Well, you know what, fellas? Okay? Nobody could take this gray hat away from you right now. Nobody. Okay? Your gray hat. Tell him a job now, fellas. All right, Chris, I don't know about you, but uh, listening to that speech just gives me uh, gives me the chills, man. It uh, makes me miss the guy. I, I didn't want him as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins anymore, but... Uh, you know, obviously, uh, I, I would trade that in a heartbeat just to have him come back and, and be be around for his family. Yeah, I mean, uh, you hear the passion in his voice. You can't make that up. You can't fake that. That is uh, pure, as a coach myself, you know, that is pure love for your players, for the guys that grind day in and day out and to celebrate the success that they, that they all got together. It was just pure happiness in his voice. So, yeah, rest in peace, Coach. Yeah, it is pure love. And speaking of pure love, we've got nothing but love for all the citizens of Perfectville like we've been talking about for I don't even know how long at this point, Chris. If you guys give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll not only shout you out on the show, but you will be qualified to get your own, very own, a Ronde Baxton, yes, the Perfectville Sip Sack Koozie. And, uh, Chris, since we were on our summer break and uh, we were so excited to get back into the show last week, I didn't read any of the ones that we got through June. Uh, so I figured I'd just fire mm-hmm. these off one after another. Let's just get them on here. Let's tell everyone thank you, get all the citizens their uh, koozies, and move on, shall we? Sounds great. Uh, you, what are you drinking over there, by the way? I was mid, mid gulp. Sorry about that. It's a uh, vodka and dairy uh, diet Coke. Jesus Christ. You are just like, it's like 10 in the morning, Chris, and you're just doing vodka and, and cherry Coke. Good for you. <laughs> I just got back from the, I just got back from the gym. I wanted to, or uh, football practice and I wanted to get, uh, get, get a couple drinks in for the show. Loosen hey, up, loosen hey, up the gums. Nothing wrong with that. I think Dan Marino did that after ever, before every single, uh, 
every single game. <laughs> he had a little bit of vodka, a little bit of Coke there. So, all right, uh, moving on. These are the latest and greatest. We have five stars, perfection for Perfectville. This comes from Jimmy Peace. He says, living in Colorado, huge Miami Dolphins fan. Love the show. You guys are too funny and love the Civil War that goes on in the reviews. Love it. Man, he said love about 17 times in one sentence, and that's because wow. we love Jimmy Peace. He's all about peace. He's all about love. So peace and love to Jimmy Peace. You are now qualified for an Aronde Bagston. Next one comes from Jinnapoo, like Winnie the Pooh, but with a J, I guess, and says five stars better than meh. And says, uh, I enjoy this mm. podcast better than most. There's a sense of humor and a self-ridicule that is almost a necessity to be a Dolphins fan nowadays. That's true. Keep up the great work. <laughs> so by, true. The, by the way, Aronde or Bagston is hilarious. Excuse my butchering of the name. It is spelled wrong, but you know what? It's a made-up name to begin with there, Jinnapoo, so we're not going to hold it against you. And besides, if anybody knows what it's like to butcher names, it would be Chris Cullen and Sam Marku of Perfectville. We can't even get the players on the name, uh, the names of the players on the team right, let alone a made-up bag. So don't worry about that. You are now qualified as well. And they have their names well. on their jerseys like cue cards, and we yep. still mess it up. Yep, we absolutely do. We just make up shit as we go. So uh, <laughs> we got nothing nothing to say to you, Jinnapoo, when it comes to uh, misspelling names. I'm probably not even saying Jinnapoo right, so there you go. Uh, nope. Next one, from an oldie but a goodie, Mr. Bill Morrissey, one of the original citizens of Perfectville, is back and gave us five stars. He says, Fish Lips. I've been a Dolphins fan for 35 years or so. This is the best Dolphins podcast out there, period. I've listened to all of them, and this is the only one that I can just go not do without. I can't wait to share some playoff wins with you guys, and oh yeah, they're coming. Watch your step, Dallas Thomas. Well, if we could win a playoff game, I'd be happy just getting to the playoffs once again, but if we can actually win a playoff game, uh, I'm just going to go wander around the streets handing out Aronde Bagstons to anyone and everyone, even if they're Dolphins fans or not at this point. I mean, that's how desperate I am to see us advance into the playoffs. And then the last one, Chris, comes from uh, Jessman2002, uh, which might be a Marvel superhero, Jessman. I don't know. Uh, maybe one of the lesser known characters. I'm not sure. Um, but Jessman says, living in central PA, surrounded by Ravens, Eagles, Redskins, and Steelers fans. Jesus Christ. I don't get any good in-depth Dolphins coverage. <laughs> Luckily, I stumbled onto Perfectville about a month ago, and life has been good ever since. Look at that. The show is very informative with its in-depth coverage of the team while also having fun, sense of humor, keeping you entertained throughout. Awesome job, guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Jessman2002. I just realized, Chris, that 2002 is probably the year that Jessman was born. Uh Thus uh, making me feel really, really old. You know, I thought I was young when I had the 1981 quarter earlier in the show, but now I feel old as shit because Jess Man is 2002 born. Yeah, that's Jess Man doesn't even know what MySpace is. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was my sophomore year of high school was 2002. So, yeah, yeah it makes me feel Boy. old, but I appreciate that um, we can get him as a listener on a podcast. Oh, Thanks, yeah. Jess Man. And you need to move ASAP. That sounds yeah. horrible. Yeah, surrounded by Ravens, Eagles, Redskins, and Steelers fans. Ugh. I don't know if there's – I mean, the only way that's worse is if it's Bills, Jets, and Patriots fans. But that is a rough yeah. quadrant to be living in right there. I mean, that is that Jess Man at 16 years old is a man because if you have to survive that for the last 16 years of your life, man, you've got a beard and – and scars and tattoos that you never even went and bought for uh, all of that stuff uh, but anyway those are the latest reviews on apple podcasts uh for perfectville you can also uh check us out on twitter perfectville or at perfectville pod instagram at perfectville podcast and you can check out our new facebook page we're having exclusive content with a lot of surprises coming up so feel free to like the facebook page if you have not already and get a lot of the videos you know chris i'm doing a lot of commentary on there you're doing commentary we might have some guests uh that pop up mm. just on the facebook 
Facebook page in the near future. So if you're on Facebook and have not liked the Perfectville page, what are you doing? Get on it. Uh, with that, Chris, we're going to go to halftime, kind of a quick, fast first half, much like Tony Sperano's Wildcat days where we would just run through that clock quickly and get to halftime as yeah. quickly as we possibly could. And we're going to come back with the second half of the show right after these words. Grab some orange slices. <laughs> All right, citizens, it is halftime here at Perfectville, which means you have time to go get yourself another beer, go take a leak from the last beer that you drank, and then think about all of those awful stories you're going to have to go shop at when you're done listening to this. That's right, shopping. Nobody wants to do it anymore. Long lines, loud kids, smelly people in front of you. It sucks. That's why I do my shopping at Amazon.com. And you can too. All you have to do is go to WelcomeToPerfectville.com, click on the Amazon link, and get all of your shopping done with just a click of a mouse. No hidden fees, no extra charges. But by clicking on the banner on our website first, you help out your favorite podcast and keep the lights on in the town of Perfectville. And all you got to do as a citizen of Perfectville is go to welcometoperfectville.com, click on the Amazon.com banner, and do all of your online shopping from there. Hey, you can even order more beer. Lucky you. All right, now back to the show. All right, Chris, it is the second half kickoff, and we talked a lot about Tony Sperano in the first half, and uh, we're going to talk about more of the current team here in the second half. My topic that I brought to the table for the contest, uh, for the coin toss, I should say, uh, earlier in this episode was that of national anthem neil gate uh it came out again late last week for the miami dolphins once again top of the headlines for the nfl and not for good reasons this time it has been leaked that the miami dolphins and uh, what they have handed over to the nfl as to what their team policy will be for players who kneel during the national anthem is the ability to suspend players up to four games uh starting this new season now this was leaked to the uh to the public and of course there was an outcry on both sides of this issue uh what are your thoughts on a what the punishment is and b your thoughts on this just controversy overall well um i'll just i'll keep it brief with this one Jameis winston uh sexually assaulted someone and got three games uh, if you get four games for kneeling it's a piece of shit rule I'll, I'll just literally leave it at that. If, if you can sexually assault someone and be back on the field playing uh, before, if you're just literally protesting to bring uh, awareness to uh, police brutality, people of color's rights, whatever it is, whatever it is, that's it. That's all there is. Silent protesting. If that gets you more games in sexual assault, then um, it's, it's absolute asinine. It's asinine. So that's A. B. Um, what is going on? <laughs> Why is this always us? And then it comes out after all the bloodshed and after everybody shits all over our franchise that everybody had to do this. Yes. Everybody had to turn it in. But the Miami Dolphins of fucking course are the ones that come out and we have to, we are immediately in defense mode. Uh, code red, the sirens are going off. We're releasing statements. Steven Ross is releasing statements. We're getting killed by national media pundits. It just, it never ends. Like you said, Sam, it, it's another big topic headline for NFL news and the Miami Dolphins stink right in the middle of it. So here's the thing, and you hit it right on the head, and I think the Miami Dolphins immediately went into damage control, and rightfully so, because yep. every single team in the NFL had to do this. They all had to turn in a policy for their own individual 
um, teams as to how they would handle this. Now, here's the thing. Stephen Ross and everyone at the Miami Dolphins already came out and said, look, this was just a placeholder. We had to put it in there. We have the ability to suspend up to four games, but that doesn't mean we're going to enforce it or that we're going to do anything right. at all. We're just giving ourselves that right. And furthermore, it wasn't anything that we changed from the placeholder that was given to us to begin with. So why is it that the Miami Dolphins are the ones that are being um, called out for this? It's one of two reasons, in my opinion. Number one, we're probably the only team that turned it in without taking out the placeholder because that is such a Miami Dolphins thing to do that we would actually go and say, okay, here's our policy when it comes to kneeling down and then you know just forget altogether to actually change uh, the stuff that they said, you know, fill out your line item stuff here. So I do kind of think that that's part of it. I think we probably forgot to take the placeholder stuff out of there. Number two, I am curious as to why and how this got leaked because it makes no – and really, uh, if you think about it, who would it benefit if it was leaked? It's not going to benefit the NFL because they get a huge pushback from everyone in the media, everyone in terms of their fans, one way or the other. They have no um, stake in the game if they want to kill this controversy by stoking the fires and releasing this themselves. It doesn't help the Miami Dolphins at all. Uh, the only people that I think this might help in terms of an interested party that has something to gain or lose with this would be the Players Association. So my mm. working theory is that this entire controversy that was stoked late last week regarding uh, the national anthem and the Miami Dolphins policy probably got into the hands of the Players Association. And from there, it was leaked to the media to do this very thing, which is to get uh, pushback from the fans and from the media so that this can be a topic again and maybe have it scaled back and immediately line itemed out of the policy for the Miami Dolphins. So that is my theory. I'm basing that on no knowledge whatsoever. This is just my opinion, Sam Marcu's opinion about who might have leaked it. I'm thinking it's Somebody that has to do with the Players Association. Now, whether that means our player rep uh, leaked it to the Players Association and they leaked it to the press, or if it got into the hands by some other means, but that is my working theory. Do you have any uh, comments on that, or do you think maybe I'm just completely off base in thinking that way? No, I can see that being the case uh, full, full heartedly, of course. Um, I, I The one thing I thought about when this came out, and it's going to sound odd for a second, but you got to think about it. And maybe I'm thinking about it as a, uh, a television drama and Netflix and all the inner workings of things and the, the politics and things that go on. So um, there was this vote. It was unanimous, but not every owner voted um, to uh, approve some type of um, disciplinary action for this. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Ross has been and is well known to be very progressive when it comes to allowing his players to talk, uh, you know, very much allowing uh, Kenny Stills and uh, to supporting them, things like that. This might be one of those things where, like, he was strong, you know, the, 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 all the owners, you, you know, you're one of 32 people, or maybe he didn't agree with this, but he had to, like, for his own sake and not to get forced out, not to cause any issues, had to reluctantly agree. I could see him leaking this out and being like, you know what? I don't agree with it. I think it's fucking stupid. Maybe this will cause some backlash. Now, yes, it'll tarnish his um, his team. But then immediately when it comes out and they go into damage control, say, hey, look, we're just doing what everybody had to do, right? I mean, it's not like you know we're the first ones to do this because we're excited to turn this in. Um, sorry it leaked, but yeah, this is going to happen. And who knows? I could see Stephen Ross leaking it just to get uh, the pushback that you said, hmm. the media attention, possibly uh, to get it lowered or taken down quite a bit. I mean, th- he has guys come to his real estate offices and and Indomitian Sue to teach him about life after football and helped him with business. Um, 
he has come out and said that he uh, approves of and backs Kenny Stills and his uh, all his actions off the field and things like that, the awareness he's raising. Uh, so why all of a sudden, you know, be like, hell yeah, four-game suspension? It just seems like they're doing what they're told, but maybe they didn't exactly like it. And again, like you said, I have no idea if that's true or not. Um, I could see pros and cons for doing it or not doing it for Stephen Ross, but it's just a working theory that's uh, possible of mine. But why out of all the teams were we the only one that this leaked? Yeah, well, that's the part that I think that uh, leads me to believe it has somebody to do with the organization and not so much the NFL. And my thought was, who would benefit from this the most? It would be the players who uh, could possibly lose up to four games based on what is in the language of that mm. contract, which tells me, hey, if I have an issue, where do I go? I go to the, my, my union. I go to the Players Association and see what we can do. And it's it wouldn't surprise me um, if the leak happened from the Miami Dolphins, be it a player or from, you know, like you said, Stephen Ross. That's a great point. I mean, he he might just be might have like done it himself to be like, look, we got to get this done. I'm not sure. But uh, either way, it is another episode of the Miami Dolphins failing in the eyes of the public, <laughs> uh, which leads us to the greatest Dolph fails in Miami history. Well, Sam, before we move on to that real quick, um, somebody mentioned two things. I wanted to bring up your attention, get your opinion on it, because I wanted to do it on the show. Uh, someone said, what if Ryan Tannehill took a knee? Would he be suspended? And B, what if the whole team took a knee? Well, I think if Ryan Tannehill took a knee, he'd have two again because he lost one in Arizona quite a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> so him taking a knee, I'd be all for it. And you're right. I mean, what would you do if the entire team as a uh, protest took a knee or didn't come out for the anthem or whatever the case may be? I mean, at that point, it would be like, all right, your call. What are you going to do? Are they going to forfeit the yeah. game? I, I mean, I can't imagine the NFL would allow that much of a profit center to, to just go away. Uh, it's an interesting mm-hmm. topic. That's actually a great point. I don't know. I don't know what would happen um i kind of want to see it happen though <laughs> just to see what would yeah, happen I mean, for our show and for the just for entertainment value um i would like to see us or any team do that especially if the, these rules are instilled by the franchise uh, are you going to forfeit and literally you know turn away all that profit from a, a game um where folks come in and buy beer and food and things of that nature and advertising money stuff like that it would just be a huge black eye and they are um, they're really climbing up a hill right now. I don't know if they want to go down by being this staunch uh, against it uh, because and creating rules and things like that because people are going to start pushing back and they're going to start bending them and seeing how far they can take this. And all they're doing is giving them another thing that they can protest to for their calls. Yeah, I mean, fine. Just suspend me four games if a guy wants to. You know what I mean? And then like maybe he shows up with duct tape on his mouth or some shit like at a tailgate. You know, it just can, shit, this could just roll downhill collecting and growing bigger and bigger and all they had to do was just leave it the fuck alone <laughs> uh, that's all they had to do and they didn't so we'll see what happens when the season actually starts and see what comes of it if anything i mean this might be a dead issue but i something tells me it will not be uh also something that will never be a dead issue as i started to say will be the greatest doll fails in miami history <laughs> And uh, this week, Chris, you know, we talk a lot about Tony Sperano and his legacy game against the New England Patriots back in 2008. Uh, but this one is going the other way. This is a legacy game for Wes Welker uh, and really for this show. It is the epitome of what a doll fail is. This is the opening week, Monday night, Chad Henney versus Tom Brady on Monday night. Uh, we were already down 31-17. So the game was pretty much out of reach late in the game. But we had the New England Patriots down on the half yard line they were snapping the ball seemingly from their own end zone 
And uh, it was our last shot with about five minutes left to maybe possibly get a safety on Tom Brady, get the ball back, and uh, fire the ball down. And this was uh, somewhat of a shootout, even though it was a blowout between uh, Chad Henney and Tom Brady. Uh, but then the inevitable happened, a 99-and-a-half-yard touchdown from Tom Brady to Wes freaking Welker. Take a listen. There's Brady out of the gun from the half-yard line. Why not? To Wes Welker. Wes Welker pulling away, and he ties an NFL record with a 99-yard touchdown. Oh, How many guys throw it out of their end zone in an empty backfield? As Don Meredith said when Tony Dorsett did it, 99 yards and a half. <laughs> and that was... Oh, my. I had one of those, Mike. Mine was 99 yards, 2 feet 11 inches. Wow. What a Brady goes over 500 yards passing. That's more than I threw for my career, high school and college. (laughs) One-on-one coverage. They blitz an empty backfield. They're in a desperation situation, and Brady lights up South Florida. Wow. 511 yards. 38-17, Brady to Welker, enters the NFL record book, tying the longest touchdown in the history of the league, done multiple times, 99 and a half. There's no backs in the backfield. There's one-on-one coverage in the back end. Miami's going to blitz Brady. They're in a desperate situation. Tom on his back foot, lops it with perfect trajectory. How about that stiff arm? Wes Welker, everybody says all he does is catch two-yard passes. Everything he does is within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Take that, NFL. That's a 99-yard catch and run by Wes Welker, who's a former Miami Dolphin. You don't think they regret trading Welker for that second round or that seventh round? It didn't really work out. What a thrill for Welker to come back to Miami and put an exclamation point on a 511-yard passing night with your backup center. Let's hope Copeland's okay. And just like that, not only did Tom Brady uh, kill the hopes and dreams of Dolphins everywhere of making a comeback in the fourth quarter against the New England Patriots on Monday night on a nationally televised game, uh, but he also set a record, Chris, uh, a franchise record mm-hmm. and a Monday night football record with f- over 500 yards passing in that game. <laughs> uh, just an unbelievable doll fail. I mean, of colossal epic proportions. Uh, anytime somebody scores a 99 and a half yard touchdown, you really hope it's not your team on the receiving end of it. But here we are, Miami Dolphins, and one of the greatest Dolphins in Dolphins history. I know, yeah, it's, for, it's from one of the white small receivers that's well known for his shiftiness and ability to catch in traffic, not the fucking speed burner that's going to take it to the house like a Mike Wallace type. Uh, rewatching the play is just just infuriating. Rashad Jones completely tries to undercut and d- comes nowhere close. Um, watching Tony Sperano, there's one of the replays where like the camera's from the end zone, uh, seeing Wes Walker's face as he's running towards the camera, and you see Sperano just look down at number 27. I don't even remember who the hell that was um, that dove and completely whiffed on his just ankles. Whiffed. Um 
Yeah, and Sperano's just looking like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, just chewing gum, walking on the sideline, looking at this guy laying on the ground. Like, it's just a complete embarrassment. Uh, that, play, that play sucks, man. I hate Wes Welker. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it makes me want to not talk about the Miami Dolphins anymore, which makes sense and is good timing because it is time for three and out. Chris, are you ready for first down? I am ready for first down. All right, why don't you go ahead and snap that ball and get us started here with the segment that takes us around the league in three downs. All right. Well, Saquon Barkley, the uh, draft pick by the New York Giants, is now one of or is the highest paid running back in the league and hasn't even played a snap yet, even in preseason. Sam, what are your thoughts? I think he's got a great agent, and I think he's somebody who uh, should put that money away because running backs are a dime a dozen. And actually, to tag on to that, the last report I saw was that Jonathan Stewart might be the starting running back come opening day. So not only is he the highest paid, but he's going to be the highest paid backup running back, at least to start his career, barring uh, some sort of change significantly here during training camp and preseason. Yeah, put it this way. Uh, Saquon Saquon Barkley uh, got a $31.194 million over four years. Every penny of it is guaranteed. Wow. Six days ago, Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell, who is an all-pro proven running back, rejected a five-year deal that only included $10 million in guaranteed. And he's uh, unquestionably the best running back in the league. So uh, there's just all kinds of uh, crazy seesaw action going on with these rookies. Real quick on that, would you take Barkley or Bell if you had to pick Pick one right now for the next three seasons. Oh, that's so tough because uh, you know Barkley's supposedly the can't miss type deal, but running backs are really a diamond dozen. At least I know Le'Veon Bell uh, has had success at this level. We've seen plenty of running backs been uh, been called that and, and praised and things like that coming into the league that kind of fizzled out. But I, I mean, I do believe for longevity purposes, if he was going to be the player, you, you have him longer than Barkley would be the guy. But uh, just going based on if I had the opportunity for to get both, I'd take Bell. Okay, well, there you go. I think I take Bell as well. Uh, second down, this comes from the NFL.com story on Jimmy Garoppolo says he always felt that he was better than Tom Brady. And I quote, I thought in my head, I'm better than this dude. It was always a quiet mm. confidence. What do you think and what do you make of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, thinking he is better than the GOAT? Admittedly, hard for me to say, Tom Brady. Dude, fuck off, Jimmy Garoppolo. You have a <laughs> dumb name. We uh, played six fucking games for the 49ers, and you're coming out saying that you're better than Tom Brady. Like, Give me a fucking break. First of all, this motherfucker makes top 100 on the NFL list. Absolute joke. Second, he's paid this gigantic contract. We want to talk about contracts. Um, you know, Six games it earns you 140 fucking million dollars. Sure, okay. And then you come out and say that you're better than Tom Brady. I get it. The coach speak of like I, you should feel like you're the best player on a team, but just say it differently. That sounded terrible. Um, this guy's not even close as good as Tom Brady. Like, uh, like you said, I hate to say it, but Tom Brady. Jesus Christ, I respect the guy. He's just he's been longevity consistent and just doesn't lose. And you're gonna say that you're better. Give me give me a fucking break. I hope he is for the sheer fact that if he is better than Tom Brady, he is out of the AFC East and we don't have to deal with him on any sort of regular basis. Because mm. if he's better than Tom Brady, if he actually was and they follow Tom Brady with a better Jimmy G, uh, I, I think I just have to stop watching football altogether. But I agree. He's got a dumb That's name a- and he looks like Ronnie Cycli's little brother. So uh, I'm annoyed by uh, Jimmy <laughs> Garoppolo. And if you don't know who Ronnie Cycli is, it's probably because you were born in 2002 and you need to Google it. Uh, but he's a dead ringer for him. Uh, anyway, anything else you want to say about Jimmy G, Tom Brady, and second down? 
yeah, you want to talk about Sperano's legacy. What would be Belichick's legacy if he actually ended up letting, uh, if he, let's just say hypothetically, Jimmy Garoppolo ends up having the career where he's better than Tom Brady. How much does that tarnish Belichick's legacy for letting him go? I don't think anything can happen at this point to tarnish Bill Belichick's legacy other than short of him coming out and saying he had, uh, you know, a twin brother who did all the coaching for him, a la Rex Ryan and, and, and Rob Ryan or something along those lines. No, I mean, uh, Jimmy G, first of all, Jimmy G is not as good as Tom Brady. I don't give a shit what he thinks or what his mindset is. But if he were to be good, I think you would still give Bill Belichick some sort of uh, kudos for drafting him and understanding that he was a good quarterback. But uh, no, I don't think it would hurt Bill Belichick's uh, legacy all that much uh not after he's won four or five uh super bowls and been to like 17 million of them or anything like that all right we got enough time for third down and then punt ourselves right out of perfect bill chris uh what do you got third down lamar jackson last pick of the first round getting uh first team reps in minicamp and training camp sam could this be the biggest deal of the draft it might be, but Joe Flacco's not a very good quarterback anymore, so it doesn't surprise me that uh, Lamar Jackson's going to you know get reps there because Joe Flacco just isn't very good anymore. I mentioned this on mm-hmm. the Dolphins Talk podcast that I was a guest on earlier this week. Uh, Joe Flacco got paid because he won the Super Bowl, and that's it. He's getting paid for past success, and he didn't win that Super Bowl. He just didn't lose it. I mean, that's what they do in Baltimore when they win Super Bowls. They get Trent Dilfer and Joe <laughs> Flacco. You get these game managers. Uh, yes, he has a big arm. Yes, he's got one uh, eyebrow. But uh, other than that, he doesn't bring much else to the table. So, no, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, what does surprise me, I believe this is the second week in a row, Chris, where you've brought up Lamar Jackson. I think uh, you might have a secret love affair with Mr. Jackson. Well, as a Miami Hurricanes fan, I'm very upset that uh, 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 Jesus can't even think of uh, fucking Al Golden couldn't get him. Uh, he's a South Florida quarterback. Instead, he goes to goes to Louisville and has the success he has. Um, but I've been following his career for a long time and know the name, so I very much am interested to see the type of success he can have if John Harbaugh's smart and uh, puts the offense around him to give him success, uh, then I think he can have a very good NFL career, and it's going to be fun to watch. I just hope it's just not against us. Yeah, anytime he's not playing the Miami Dolphins, I'll go ahead and root for him. But uh, if he's playing the Miami Dolphins, I don't want him anywhere near the end zone or anywhere near a W. Uh, but speaking of things, I don't want to be anywhere near. I don't want to be anywhere near the town of Perfectville anymore for this episode, Chris. So unless you have anything else you have to say, I would like to say no, goodbye, goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.